Thank you for listening to a Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at praisechapelkingman.com. Isn't God good this morning? Amen. You can be seated this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, those that minister music. You can, you can go down this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't God good this morning? Amen. Did you feel his presence this morning? Amen. Looking forward to what Jesus is going to do. This morning, before I get started in my message this morning, I want to honor a couple people here today. And so I'm going to ask Dan and Anita Roy if they would come up to the platform. Amen. Give them a big hand as they're coming. Amen. We're going through a little bit of a change. Uh, you, you might be saying to me, well, is it, have we had enough change yet? <laughs> not yet. But this is actually uh, um, a good thing. It's, not a, it's a good change. It's not, uh, there's no, nobody missing. They're not going anywhere. Um, as you have, uh, may or may not know, uh, Dan and Anita, who are my mother and father-in-law, uh, they have been in the church uh, for a very long time. They have been uh, serving in the church um, for a long time in various capacities. The thing that they have done the most is Dan has uh, served as uh, head usher for uh, more years than I can count, um, more years than I want to admit because it makes me look old, and I don't want to look old. And uh, uh, he is stepping down from head usher. He told me the other day, he says, I don't want to sit in back no more. I want to sit up front where the action is. And he, amen, amen. He actually told me, now, this is what I heard. I don't know if this is what he said, but he says he's going to show the, the older generation how to praise and dance and get it done. Amen. Now, that's what I heard. I'm only responsible for what I hear, not what he says. And so, so he, they're coming down front, but uh, we're going to be turning that over, and uh, we want to recognize them. And uh, one thing here at Praise Chapel, we, we love plaques, and so this is the way we do this, and so we want to present this to them for their faithful service. Uh, not only, uh, amen, go ahead, give them a hand, but also we... We got them, and this in no way, this is just a token. It's no way it could ever repay all their service and their faithfulness. They truly have been faithful to this congregation. But they've been on the keto diet, and so we got them a gift card at Outback. Amen, because you can do keto at Outback. Amen. And I know they like Outback, and so we want to do that. But you know what? Ushering is not all that they do. Uh, much of what they do is, is behind the scenes. You may right. never see it. You may never know about it. And all of you are a benefit for it. Um, and what their, their biggest ministry, and I, I just want to mention this because it's worthy of mentioning and honoring. Amen. And that is for years they have been intercessors. And so every time you have written a prayer request and it's gone in the box or we've announced it or prayed from the pulpit or even on the, on the uh, uh, Facebook prayer uh, chain, um, they spend days and hours and faithfully every day they lift up those prayers. And so I am sure I'm confident that every person sitting in this room, everybody that's out on Facebook, uh, just about everybody in Kingman, they have prayed for uh, for uh, 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 a period of time. And they truly have seen the hand of God. They've seen healings and blessings and multiplication and lives changed and all of that. And that, you know, that's a part of the ministry that a lot of times we don't see. You know, we, we in fact, we never see it. And all we really see is the results and we don't know where they came from. It comes from people that are faithful, uh, that will, when the doors are closed and no one is looking, will find themselves on their knees in front of the Lord and lifting up your need, not their need, your need. And they've done that faithfully, and we want to honor them today and, and just tell them how much we love them and care about them. And even though they're changing from ushering down to worship, amen, and the, dancing in the altars, that's what we want. Uh, uh, we, we know that that change is a good change, but we want to recognize them. And so let's stretch our hands towards them, and let's just pray God's blessing. Father, right now in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you, God, for Dan and Nita. We thank you for their lives. But more than anything, Lord, we thank you, God, for their faithfulness in ministry, their, their willingness to sacrifice, their willingness to pray, their faithfulness to come before your throne, 
and lift up our needs. Lord, that their selflessness to do that, Lord, to, to put us before themselves. And Father, we pray that you pour out upon them blessing, Lord, that all that they put their hands to, God, would be blessed, just as your word promises in Deuteronomy 28. Lord, that they'll be blessed going in, they'll be blessed coming out. Lord, they'll be blessed in all that they do, God. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Give them a hand as they go back. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? All the time. Also, real quick. I just real quick want to mention tonight's worship service. We used to call it breakthrough. It's still a breakthrough service. We have a great time. Come on out. If you have a need, come on out. Let us pray for you. We've seen some people get healed. And you know what? I, I need to mention, I didn't get a chance to mention it. Pat, would you just do me a favor? I know that you hate this, but I'm going to ask you to do it. Again. Just stand up, stand up, and then sit right back down. This is Pat Philly. Amen. Yay. Amen. Uh, last week, she came up to me after service, and she was crying, and she said, she, I said, what's wrong? And she said, God healed me. She was legally blind in which eye? Her right eye, legally blind. She's now not blind. She is healed. Amen. Praise God. Our God is a healer. Amen. Amen. I asked her if, if she would testify. She goes, I, I, I don't do that. I, <laughs> so I said, can I? And she said, absolutely. Amen. So I, I want to minister something to you today that um, you can go ahead and put that title screen up. Um, that is uh, something that has every person in this room has dealt with. Um, and probably many of you are dealing with it right now. Um, the title of this sermon, and you know, sometimes it's funny because some of these sermons, they, they, it can seem so dark and negative. But let me tell you something. There is nothing so bright as the light that shines in the darkness. Okay, now, and I don't mean to wax philosophical with you, um, but I, 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 or poetic, nor do I want to be melodramatic. But what I do want to do today is I want to make sure you understand some things. And so we're going to, we are going to confront a subject that oftentimes is, um, for the lack of a better word, ignored, uh, avoided, that's the word. It's avoided. And the reason it's avoided is because sometimes we just don't want to get honest about it. We just don't want to. It, you know, what do we do when God seems silent? You know, what, what happens when, when prayers aren't being answered? What happens when it's like I can't feel him? What happens, what do, what do we do when, when everything is going wrong and nothing's going right? You know, we're Christians for heaven's sakes. God is the God of more than enough, not, not enough or just enough. He's more than enough. Can you say amen? But what happens when life isn't more than enough? What happens when the checkbook says zero or, you know, things are going sideways? Or what, ha what happens when we're sick and we're trusting that he is our healer? but we don't get healed. What, what happens? What happens when the marriage is struggling? What happens when you look in the mirror and you hate the person you see in the mirror? <laughs> I am, I, I'm amazed at the wisdom that comes from the first three rows. But I'd like to tell you that don't looking in the mirror, don't fix it. What happens when we're not, we're not what we want to be? We're not even what we should be. What happens when things aren't going the way they should go? What happens when God seems silent? So I want to, I want to attack this head on today. And I want to attack it in a way that we don't deny the truth. We don't deny reality. But we see through it to a greater reality. Amen. Does that make sense? Yes. So if you have your Bibles, turn over to Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 5. I absolutely love this portion of Scripture. I am now officially, you're seeing something brand new, officially, this is now my favorite Scripture. Right on. 
Now, I can't tell you what's going to happen next week. That may be my favorite scripture. But as for today, at 1030 in the, or 1118, it's now my favorite scripture. And here's what the Bible says. It says, starting in verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Amen. Now, the reason I love that scripture, it dawned on me in the first service as I was just started preaching, it dawned on me that that portion of scripture, that passage, really is a mantra for life. It really ought to be. I mean, we, we really ought to take that and, and, and memorize it so that we can apply it throughout the day. Because as you look at it, he starts, he says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. In other words, don't leave any room for doubt. Don't leave any room where you could come up with another answer. Or don't leave any room where you could second guess what God's doing. Trust him with all of your heart. And he says, the way you're going to do that, now you need to understand that God never requires something of us without giving it to us in the first place. He gives us the measure of faith so that we can be a people of faith. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please me. So here is some faith. Isn't that great? He gives bread to the eater and seed to the sower and all of that money to the spender. However you want to to categorize it, but what he does is he says, trust, with, trust me with all of your heart. He goes, this is how, don't lean on your own understanding. You know, we could stop reading the rest of it right there, and that would be enough. Amen. See, the problem is, is we try too often to lean on our own understanding. What we do is we go, I've got a better idea. I can figure this out. I know what's going on. Or, I, or if we don't, what we do is we go, I'm going to try to figure this out. I am going to manipulate the situation. I'm going to take matters into my own hands, and I'm going to lean on my understanding. And God says, that's not going to work. He says, in fact, what you need to do is take this to the next level, and in all your ways, in everything that you do, Everything. Say everything. everything. Everything that you do. When you pick up a piece of paper on the floor, when you are walking to your car to get in it, when you go shopping for groceries in the morning, afternoon, or night, whenever you go shopping, when you are making pancakes for the grandchildren, when you are cutting roses in the garden, I don't care what it is, no matter how insignificant it may be, Acknowledge him in it. Can you say amen? amen? And then he says, I will direct your path. See, the reason a lot of times that we don't have direction or our paths seem to be twisty and turny and crooked and all that is because we're not acknowledging him. We're not trusting him. He says, if you do these things, I will direct your path. He says, don't be wise in your own eyes. In other words, don't trust what you can see. Amen. Because what you see isn't always reality. Once again, I'm not trying to be philosophical. I'm going to prove it here in a minute. He says, fear the Lord, depart from evil. And he says, and the result of that, it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Now, let me ask this question. How many here could use a little bit more health? Amen. Most of you. I could. How much, you know, strength, you know, I, like I, once again, I am not the ancient of days, but I understand what this 52-year-old body does today is not what it did when it was 20. Right. Amen. Amen. It, just, it just doesn't get the job done like it used to. I, I remember when we were building this building, I could work with being sick. I, I remember coming in and working, and I had a fever, but I could work through that. Now, I am a gigantic baby laying in the bed. Right on. And I haven't even, I'm like 98.7, I'm done. They said, well, what's the significance of that? Normal's 98.6. You raised my degree one bit, and I'm over. It's Kathy. 
you, all the men just say amen. Yeah, you got it. It's, we are gigantic babies. All the women say amen. You know what? I, you know, I have such respect for women. This isn't even in the sermon that's free. I have such respect for women. You guys, uh, you'll get sick and you still cook dinner. I get sick and uh, we're going out to eat at best. No, no we, you're going to get food. I don't want you cooking it because it's going to take too long. I want it now because I'm not feeling good. So go get it. Hurry up. Are you back yet? And she's sick too. She still goes to work, not me. I'm, oh, dear God. I've never felt pain like this in my belly. <clears throat> my wife has something to say about that. But he goes on. He says, honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruits of your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. If your barns are empty and your vats are lacking, maybe it's because you don't honor the Lord with your possessions. Just saying, that's a freebie. Now, here's the thing God, to me, can be really extremely hard to get. You ever, you ever notice that? He, he's hard. He can actually be maddening. I know, you're waiting for the lightning to fly. But remember, we're, we are going to face this head on. Amen. Sometimes God just is downright frustrating to me. Uh, maybe I'm the, okay, it's, this, is, this is therapy for me. Okay, I got it. I got it. I'm working, I'm working an issue through right here. But sometimes he can be frustrating. You know, I'm, I'm like, you know, when he said in Isaiah 55, 8, that his thoughts are not, thought, are not our thoughts and his ways are not, he meant it. He doesn't do anything the way I would do it. Nothing. If I was God, it would be different. Now, <laughs> come on now. Come on. And, and I, I hear when I think that, I always hear this little, real quiet in the background of the back of my brain, I hear this little chuckle. But you're not me. <laughs> See, we can have deep, this is what's frustrating to me. We can have deep encounters with him that break into our lives with power and grace that answer our prayers that are nothing short of miraculous. And we walk away from those times and we feel just pumped. I mean, we, we're, you know, our faith has grown. We, we're walking away we've, larger than life. We're like, yes. And we can tell you, do you trust God? Absolutely, I trust God. Do you have faith in him? Yes. But then, almost as if it's on its heels, there's a season where chaos rolls in like a rogue wave leaving me shattered and broken on the rocks of life. And it can be maddening. It's like, God, you were... You, how about Elijah? Fire falls from heaven. I mean, he has this miraculous moment, and then the, Jezebel stands up and says, you know what, this time tomorrow I'm going to do what you did to my prophets. And he's running for his life. That is maddening to me. And it can be a physical diagnosis that is threatening our life. Or it can be a significant setback in our finances or our job. It can be a, a loss, a significant loss of a loved one, either through rejection or betrayal or death. It can be dark, times of unrelenting, unrelenting darkness, heaviness, spiritual heaviness. Or, or it can be a time of profound temptation. It, it, it just comes out of nowhere. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It can be a season of unanswered prayers. And you know what? The list could go on and on. Point is, in these seasons, there is a wind. There is an arid wind that we don't understand. We don't know where it comes from. But it blows across the spiritual landscape of our lives. And it leaves our soul dry, cracked, and parched. Are you catching the picture? We cry out to God in our confusion, and he seems silent. He seems absent. Amen. 
You know, all of God's people at some point or another have come to this place. It's lonely, it's disorienting, and it's wearying, and it's maddening. Where are you, God? Where are you at? Probably what's more maddening is when we begin to look at the lives of others and they got it so easy. I heard a sermon yesterday, the guy said, because the problem with comparison is you don't understand the process that's going on in another person. That's right. But see, the, the thing that happens is we get upset. We get angry even. But all of us go there. Listen to David. This is David's remarks. Psalm 13, 1 through 2, he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? That's what I love about the Psalms is they're just so honest. You know what I just, I just, it's just, I detest it in Christianity is when we're fake. (laughs) That's another sermon. Job writes this in Job 30, 20. If there's ever a guy that is justified in this, I think it's him. In Job 30, 20, he says, I cried to you for help, and you do not answer me. I stand, and you only look at me. Do you hear the frustration in this? Have you ever had a teenager? You look at your teenager, and you say, what is going on with you? And they look at you. And it's like, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Can, can you hear me? Are you hearing me speak? It's frustrating, isn't it? Why did you do that? Because. Non-responsive. Next. Come on. What's going on? And it's frustrating. And sometimes God can be just like that. Lord, what is up? What is going on? How many times have we felt this way? Nothing makes sense. And we can't seem to get a grip on our circumstances. And we cry out to God, our heavenly father. And we hear, this is what's maddening. We hear sermons on him being our father, don't we? Oh, he's daddy. He's papa. Well, right now he's being really quiet. Papa needs to get a grip. (laughs) Is this too raw? Am I, am I painting the frustration well enough? You say, how, how do you, because I was here the other day. Right. The, the, the reason this sermon's being written is because a friend of mine came to me, and he walked into my office, and he looked at me, and he goes, I got a question for you. And I says, what's that? He goes, my sister is really sick. Why ain't she healed? Well, I don't know. Well, does God heal? Yes. Is he always a healer? Always. Why ain't she healed then? I don't know. I'm kind of going through it myself. I'm not real sure why I'm sitting here listening to you. That'd be another question to answer. Do you feel that frustration? And we have these moments. And, and, and as, I, as I looked at my friend, and I, I, I didn't say that to him. I gave him my best answer. I began to speak to him. I began to tell him what I thought. And I began to share with him the revelation that I had. But in the midst of that, I can hear this screaming out at me saying, this is you, pal. And as we listen, intently listening, we sit in silence, waiting for our heavenly father to speak. And it's in these periods of silence that we become angered and frustrated and vexed. And we want to look up into heaven and scream out, don't you see that I have a problem here, God? Here's the problem with Christianity. This is a freebie. You can put it on a bumper sticker and make millions of dollars. God is not a genie in a bottle. He's a really good father. He's not going to respond to your every wish. He is going to, in his fatherhood, Bless you the way you need it. 
Are you hearing me? And it's right here in this moment where we face our greatest temptation. And that's to lean on our own understanding. And what we do when we lean on our own understanding, we're putting trust in our own ability. Leaning on our own strength. And in doing so, what we do is we close the door to God's involvement in our lives. Let me show you how this works. Let me, let me, because we've all been there. We've, we've all been to that point. And, and, and it's really hard, hard to admit, but, but sometimes I get disappointed with God. Sometimes I even question my faith. I even question my Christianity. Is that too raw? But I ain't the first one to do it. There was a guy by the name of John the Baptist. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 and 3, he says, John the Baptist, who was now in prison, heard about all the things that the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you really the Messiah we've been looking for? Or should we keep looking for someone else? I love that. Thank God for that verse. Here's John the Baptist. He, he is the guy that baptized Jesus. You know, the dove came out of heaven and rested upon his shoulder. And the, and the voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. I mean, that's the guy, John the Baptist. But he's now in prison about to lose his mind. He's going to get his head cut off. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's, he's in a bad situation. And what he's doing is he's asking God, is it worth it? I, I'm willing to face this, but did I get it right? Am I trusting the right guy? Am I backing the right horse here? Can I trust you, Jesus? Are you really the one or should I look for someone else? Because I'm about to pay a big price if you're not the one. Is it worth it, Jesus? Are you hearing what I'm saying? In these difficult times when things aren't working out and when things stop making sense, we question. And with no immediate answer, and when, or, or if we don't get the answer we want, disappoint, disappointment sets in. And we may not want to admit it, but we're really just disappointed with God. And disappointment with God's a very real part of Christianity. And let me tell you something, church, and until you admit it, you'll never overcome it. Because listen, Christian maturity is best demonstrated by how we manage the disappointments in life, not by how we react to what's easy in life. Are you hearing me? Philip Yancey, who's a tremendous author, I highly recommend you read his stuff. He said this, he says, I found that for many people, there's a large gap between what they expect from their Christian faith and what they actually experience. From a steady diet of books, sermons, and personal testimonies, all, all, all promising triumph and success, they learn to expect dramatic evidence of God working in their lives. If they do not see such evidence, they feel disappointed, betrayed, and often guilty. See, it's when our expectations go unrealized. It's when our prayers are unmet or they're met with silence. And our faith seems unrewarded. It's when the experience of our life is not living up to the promise in our life. We begin to ask ourselves, can God be trusted? Does God really care about my life? Where is he when things hurt? Why is he so silent? Why are bad things happening to me? And these are very real questions, church, and we cannot avoid them. And from time to time, they really do plague our life, and we need to overcome them. Can you say amen? amen. Here's the problem. I don't know if anyone would ever be able to answer these questions completely to our satisfaction. But there is an answer. Because in those moments of disappointment, God comes along, and he gives us a very real, effective answer. And here's his answer. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't try to figure this out on your own. Acknowledge me in everything you do, and I will direct you through it. That's his answer. He may not come and tell you why. He may not give you all the info. 
But what he does is he says, I can be trusted. I will be there. I will not leave you or forsake you. I am the healer. I am the provider. I am the deliverer. I am salvation. And I am here right now. See, when we experience, or what I should say we experience as God's absence, what we experience when we say he is distant from us or when we feel like God is silent, it really is our perception of the situation. Now, you need to listen to this because this will help you. Because the problem with our perception is our perceptions is they are limited by our five senses. See, what we do, here's the problem. What we do is we put our brain into gear rather than our heart. And so when we come into a bad situation, what we do is we try to lean on our understanding. Amen. We lean on our understanding, and so our understanding is developed by what we call the five senses, by what we can see, what we can hear, what we can feel, what we can taste, what we can smell. And so we pull that information in, and we come to a conclusion that is called a perception. It's how we view it. And when it comes to God's absence or his presence, his moving or his stillness, his speaking or his silence in our life, it is determined, we determine what he is doing by what we perceive. So if we feel him, hear him, see the results of his moving, we know he's close. We, We perceive that God is close. But when our senses fail to pick him up, we convince ourselves that he is distant that he is, in fact, silent. The problem with that, the problem with living by perception, is that it is extremely dangerous. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, Paul writes, he says, We do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen. Amen. What is he saying? He's saying, look at." Your eyes can fool you. Your senses will lie to you because they are limited when it comes to God. Well, he's not moving. Well, let me show you how this works. See, the problem is, is we try to put God into our situation when we need to get into his. See, God does not live in time. We do. How many know that time is in God? Time is a created thing. Okay, so for God, God right now is in my past. He is in my present. And he is in my future. Do you understand that? For God, it's all the same. For me, I'm journeying from my past to my future. So back here, I have experience. (coughs) But God's still there. He's all there. And he's in my present. I can feel him right now. But see, when I look into the future, I'm not sure because I can't see it. And so what happens is I get sick right now. Or I have a setback in my finances. Or I get tempted. Let me tell you something about temptation. Just because you have a thought doesn't mean it's a sin. And generally what happens is the devil will sow his thoughts into your mind. And what we have to do is take those thoughts captive and reject them and throw them out. Yeah. And say, not, not today, devil. You're not doing this to me today. I'm, I'm not going to buy into this today. But what happens is he, he, we, we come to this place, and so we hear this thing. So some Christian comes up to me in my sickness, and he says, Jesus is your healer. I go, great, let's pray. So we pray. And we pray, we say, God, will you heal me? And God says, yes, I will. Because the promises of God are yea and amen. Right? And so he says, yes, I will heal you. But it's going to be in four, for your perspective, it's going to be in four days from now. <laughs> your healing is going to manifest four days from now. Now, I'm not four days down the road. God is, so for him it's done. He can look at me and go, you're healed. Why? Because he's there already. He's four days down the road. He has that advantage. I do not. I still got to travel four days. 
Now, here's what happens is because I cannot perceive the healing because the healing for him is out there. It's done. I'm back here. So now I'm going to trust what I see in the moment, not have faith in what he promised. And so what I do is I begin to run my mouth about what's happening here, and I divert myself from what God had planned because of a perception. God says, I got more than enough. It's already, I've already dispatched it. It won't get to you in your perspective in 15 days. But it's coming. For me, it's done. But for you, it's going to take you about 15 days to get there because you've got to travel through time. I know I'm philosophical right now. I'm sorry. That's why, see, I believe that when Elizabeth got pregnant with John the Baptist, I can't remember, what was his father's name? Zachariah. That's why he... He couldn't talk. God says, you know what? You're going to run your mouth, and you're going to stop this miracle. Shut up. <laughs> and so while he, she was pregnant, he couldn't talk. That's the best. That, I pray, God, shut me up. Yes. Uh, amen. That's good. You can clap at that. Ha. You know, if I come to church one day and there's no mouth there, you know God's answered my prayer. <laughs> shut up. Holy cow, I've answered your prayer. It's down the road for you, but it's done for me. Trust. I mean, that's pretty simple. I know, I know. I know you've been waiting 30 years, but it ain't that big a deal for me. So just trust me. Trust me. Don't try to figure it out. You're not going to figure it out. Time, you know, time and space and the dynamics of time and space and that continuum, way too complicated for you. Don't figure it out. Trust me, much easier. So what I do is I sit back and I go, you know what, God, you are my healer. But what about those people that didn't get healed and they went to heaven? I guarantee you they're healed now. Say, can you answer that? No, I can't answer that. I do not have a sufficient answer to explain it, but I do have an answer. Trust him. He's got your back. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, in reality, God was not absent or silent or indifferent towards Job or towards David. You remember that when, you know, here's David, he's going, why? And Job's like, you know, all you do is look at me. He wasn't being silent. He wasn't being distant. They were not forsaken. It was just God moving at that moment that they could not perceive. See, when you can't perceive it, you need to trust him. Are you hearing me? See, we're simply called to trust the promise, not the perception. Are you hearing me? So what does it mean to trust? Well, Webster's Dictionary defines it in a very simple way. It's too simplistic. But Webster says it's a basic dependence on someone or something or a belief that someone or something will work in a prescribed way. That's too simplistic because truly trust is based in relationship. In Proverbs 3, in our our text, he says, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. All of that has implied in its context relationship. In all your ways acknowledge me and I'll direct your paths. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil, and it will be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. Why is he saying that? He's saying because that is the basis of relationship. Somebody came to me. This is going to sound funny. Somebody came to me, I don't know, a few weeks back. Kathy was talking to a gentleman here in the church. And this guy comes in my office and goes, hey, bro, your wife is out talking to some dude. I said, what? Where is my gun? I did. I did. I did not. I went, okay. She talks to people all the time. Some of them are male. Some of them are female. Aren't you freaked out? Not even a little bit. What? What? What if she, what if she's got ulterior motives? She's got to violate God before she violates me. See, because of relationship, I trust her. 
So what about the dude? I don't trust him, don't know him, but I trust her. She'll kill him. Relationship. It's relationship. And so what's happening is, see, I'm able to trust out of relationship. I heard something yesterday again in that same sermon. See, here's the problem. We are enamored with the presence. Do you know that you can be in the presence, but you, you cannot know him? Look, let me show you how that works. Here's Elijah. He's up in the cave, right? Remember that story? He run, he's running, and he's up in the cave, and the earthquake, the fire, and the wind came. Called the presence of God. The presence of God was there in a significant way, but he was not in any of that. And it was the still small voice that he says, I'm in that. See, you can be in the dramatic presence of God and still not know his voice. See, that's why what we've got to do, church, is we've got to understand what's going on. See, do I believe in the supernatural? Do I want the earthquake, the wind, and the fire, and all that? Yes, I do. Not because that's who he is, but that's what he does when he shows up. But what I want is to hear him. I want to know him. I want to hear his voice. I want to hear that gentle, John, stop. Turn left. Don't talk or speak up. Whatever he's got to do, I want to hear that. Because that's out of relationship. And out of that relationship, then I can begin to trust him. Then you know what? I can acknowledge him. Then I can let him direct me and guide me. And you know what? I'm not going by what I see. I don't care what my checkbook says because God's got more than enough. I don't care what the doctor says because God's my healer. Now, that doesn't mean, look at that. See, just because I don't care about what the checkbook says doesn't mean that I don't, stewardship is not real. Don't confuse that stewardship. I still need to be responsible and be a good steward. I still need to take care of my body and eat healthy. I'm working on that. And I'm working to do that. But somewhere along the line, church, what we've got to understand is that he's got our back. He's there for us. See, Joseph trusted God in Pharaoh's prison. Noah trusted God when he was told to build a boat in the middle of a desert. You you have to look at scripture like I do. Can you imagine? Up to that point, it had not rained. So God walks up and says, hey, Noah, water's going to fall from the sky. We're going to call it rain from now on. And it's going to rain so much to see that big mountain right there, it's going to be way over that. So I need you to build a boat. What's a boat? Well, it's a thing that's a vehicle that floats on top of all this water. And before the water comes, what I need you to do is go get all the animals and put them in there. There was a few hurdles that Noah had to overcome. But he trusted. Moses trusted God to deliver Israel. Can you imagine that? At the, here, you got to think like this. He, see, Moses, he, go, he he's trying to get out of it. God says, I, you're going to be my deliverer. Moses said, look, I don't talk so well. You're going to make me your spokesman. You're going to make me the guy that's going to speak for you, and I don't talk well. The thing I found out about God is God generally uses the people that, that are not qualified to do what he wants. Yes. Why? Because then the qualifications about him. And then Moses goes, look, okay, all right, I'll go. But do you know I'm wanted in Egypt? See, 40 years ago, I killed somebody, buried him in the sand. They found out about it. Now they're after me, and I'm hiding out out here. You understand I'm a fugitive, and you want me to go back where I'm a fugitive. I'm a felon there. You want me to go back, and I'm going to just walk into the, the, the courts of Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Who should I tell them sent me? And God says, you tell them I am. Can you be any more vague, God? Right. Right. How about you just give me the secret name? You know, the name that's going to make them all fall dead and then we'll walk out. How about that name? And, and by the way, what, what are my weapons of choice? Here, take this staff. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, for I know in whom I trust. He says, I know him, and he's worthy of that trust. Church, ah, man, I'm so far off the notes now. I, here. 
Watch this. We'll just, we'll just do this. Here's my heart in this. This is my heart. See, I know, and so does God, that bad days happen. Difficult times happen. God's not up in heaven going, oh, goody, you had a good bad day. That's not God. But what God, and he, nor is he the author of bad days. He does not put sickness on you to teach you a lesson. lesson. He is not a bad father. He is not an abusive father. But when it does come, because it will come into your life because we are still in this world, not of the world, but we're in it, and we're subject to its laws at times, and sometimes sickness will happen. And when it comes, God says, I am going to take great advantage of that thing, and I'm going to use it for my benefit, or your benefit and my glory. Yes. Yes. And you're going to learn and you're going to grow through it because you're going to see a side of me you never saw before. If you'll trust me, you'll see me in a new dimension. You will see yet another facet of who I am and who I can be in your life and who I want to be in your life. You will perceive me in a new way because you won't be looking through the eyes of flesh. You'll be looking through the eyes of faith. And you will see me do things and you will see me moving. See, that's where he says in Hebrews 5, where he says, you know what, by reason of use, we exercise discernment. It's, it's that ability to say, wait a second, God is here. I can't see him. I can't feel him. I do not see his moving. I cannot see the effects of his moving. But I trust that my God goes everywhere I go because he said he'll never leave me or forsake me. And he is right here, right now, moving in my behalf. And I, I choose to trust that. I would like to tell you, church, I would like to tell you. Oh, that's Jason. I, I thought, man, I thought the angels of heaven were, I, I did not see, I did not see Jason walk up and I thought, I thought, thank you, Jesus. You know what, when Jesus starts playing music for you, you know you, you know you hit it out of the park on that one. You know what I'm saying? Jesus, Jesus goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand up. I'm playing a little, little altar music for you. Wow. God. Thank you. That's, that's validation. It's pretty good when he does it, but it's a lot better when Jesus does it. Let me tell you something as I bring this to a close. I would love to give you my six-point plan for overcoming disappointment and my ten keys to stronger faith and I don't mock those kinds of sermons because they can be helpful but the bottom line is this here's the bottom line when you're going through a bad day you simply have a decision to make am I going to just trust God or am I going to lean on my understanding that's it that's as simple as it gets there are times church that it's not even a bad day it's just a day I just don't feel like being a Christian was that too honest? I just, all that Christian stuff, man. You know, Christianity can be so political and people and I don't want to do it. Today, count me out. I, I don't want to read my Bible today. I, I don't want to stand up and be counted. I'm tired. I, I don't... I don't want to pray. But it's in those moments, even when that's happening, that I go, God, you know, in spite of what I want, I'm choosing to trust you. You know what? I can't make heads or tails out of this. I can't figure it out. I don't know why I can't see it. I'm limited, but I can trust you. I can make a decision right here to say, God, I trust you. And you know, I'm learning, what I'm learning to do is I'm learning the secret in that and in, in to really pull that off is I have to say it out loud. Yes. I have to say out loud, I choose, Father, to trust you in this situation. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know what to do about it, but I choose to trust you. And if you'll show me what to do, I'll do it. And if you don't show me what to do, then I'm going to shut up about it because I trust you. And I know that at some point out here in the future, which for me is unwritten, but for God is done. 
I'm going to trust that you got it done for me. And all I got to do is journey to it. Could it be, church, it's that simple. Could it be if I looked at my brother Jeff Adams and said, you know what, Jeff, in my desk, in my office, in the bottom drawer, there is a box. And in that box, that box has your name on it. In that box, there is a key. It's a special key. And that key opens up everything that you've ever dreamed of. All you have to do is make a decision to get up and walk to it. Could it be that simple? And then could it be that staggering that as Jeff walks across the platform in the altar area here and he gets about where my wife is, and because he's tired of walking, he begins to accuse God of not giving the key that he promised. See, time is a journey. It's happening. You're going to go to the office, whether you like it or not. It will, it's going to determine how you travel in time. will determine what's there when you get there. Could it be that simple? Could it be that what we do is undermine our own healing and provision and direction? Could it be that the words of our mouth are far more powerful than we ever imagined? Could it be, could it be that we are directly in control because of the power that's been invested in us through salvation? And God says, if you'll just trust me, it'll work out. Not will it just work out. You won't just get by. It'll be more than you can imagine. Can it be that simple? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for your truth. We thank you that you love us so much and that that you will speak to us like this. I thank you that, Lord, that we can get honest about our place in life. And though, Lord, we do have difficult days and sometimes we question things, Lord, let it be known that we do love you and we praise you and we glorify you. And Lord, it is our intention today that we would draw a line in the sand and say enough's enough. I trust you, Father. I choose today, Father, to trust you. Regardless of what I see, regardless of what I feel, regardless of what I hear, though my checkbook says zero, I know you have more than enough. Though my job may change, you are my provider. Though my health may get weak, I know you are my healer. And I trust you, Father. I trust you with all the unanswered questions. I I trust you. And if I need to know, God, I'm open to know that you would show me and that you would guide me in it. But, Lord, if heaven remains silent, your word declares that you are more than enough for me. And I trust your word. I trust you. I trust you. Father, for you have said to me that you're going to blow my mind, that you are going to do things that are staggering. And, Lord, it's just a matter of traveling through time to get there. For you, we know it's done. We will be there soon, Father, because we trust you. Thank you, Jesus. You can look up at me. Amen. Isn't God good this morning? We're asking our ministry team to come up. Why don't you stand to your feet? We want to release you today. If you have a need of any kind, come on up. Remember, remember, tonight is our breakthrough worship service tonight. Please come on out. We'll pray for you. We'll believe God. We always have a great time. God speaks to us there. Come on out. Be a part. That's at 6 o'clock. Remember, if you'd like to be an usher or you've been an usher, 5 o'clock is our meeting. It'll be a brief meeting. So God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.